Good morning, Forever family. How are you this morning? Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Happy New Year. It is such a privilege to be here, as Pastor Andy said. Uh, it blows my mind uh, each and every day as I wake up that the Lord would use such a vessel as myself to do such work as this. Amen? And uh, I'm thankful, Andy, that we are all broken vessels. <laughs> it's never great to be the only one in the room. <laughs> Amen? Uh, this morning, as I hail to you from north of Route 30, uh, thank you for having me. I feel like a foreigner in this land sometimes. My wife, Brianne, and I are here this morning. Our five children are either at home uh, ill or uh, at our own home church, Faith Church Munster, uh, serving currently. So they all wish they could be here, but they are with you in spirit. This morning, I'm bringing uh, God's word to you. Uh, the uh, title of my sermon this morning was going to be A Perfect Gift, A Perfect Gift for a Holy Father. And what kind of gift could we possibly bring to such a Holy Father? In order to go through that with you this morning, I decided to pick a scripture in God's Word that is, goes way, way back. Instead of uh, parking it in the New Testament this morning, as you might think, we're going 700 years back uh, to a prophetic word from the book of Micah. And in the book of Micah, in chapter 6, we have a word from Micah the prophet. And he starts in verse 6, and we're going to read through verse 8. And a lot of this scripture this morning, especially the last verse, is extremely familiar to most of us. In fact, it's pretty famous within the world of Christendom. And in verse 6 of chapter 6 of the book of Micah, Micah says this, What should I bring before the Lord? When I come to bow before God on high? Should I come before him with burnt offerings? For the year old calves? Would the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams? Or with 10,000 streams of oil? Should I give him my firstborn for my transgressions? The offspring of my body for my own sin? And God responds in verse 8. Mankind, he has told each of you what is good. And what is the Lord requires of you? to act justly, to love faithfulness, and to walk humbly with your God. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we give you thanks, Lord, for all that you are, all that you've done, and all that you're doing, Lord, in the, in the hearts of your people, in the lives of these people, in this nation, in this, even in this town of Lowell, Lord, and the surrounding region, Lord. We give you thanks for your son, Jesus, who came and paid it all became the perfect sacrifice, the perfect example of all that is required of us. Lord, and as your word is living, the word is alive. It's the substance that we need. This morning, Holy Spirit, would you meet us here in these few moments? Would our worship be a sweet incense to you? Would you be pleased with our hearts? Open them, make us ready to receive what you have for us. We pray these things in our Savior's name. Amen. Amen. So that is a book of Micah. Let me get my notes out here. And as we prepare for this message, we got this Christmas season that we've just engaged in. Amen? Many of us have gathered around a tree, a Christmas tree, and we've exchanged gifts. Before that, there was a preparation for those Christmas gifts. And along with that preparation comes uh, wish lists and, and Christmas wish lists, and parents around the globe are saying, uh, kids, what do you want? And my kids have come to me. My kids love me so much. They're so good at loving on me and their mother. They're like, Mom and Dad, what do you want for Christmas? And you start contemplating those lists within your head, like, what do I want? 
What do I want? And for myself and Brian, it's, it's never substance anymore, right? If we're adult, if we need something, we'll just go out and get it. I do ask for a bass boat every Christmas. Still waiting on that. <laughs> still waiting on that. And God's still working on my heart. Amen? Amen. Amen. But we all know what it is to want or want to give that perfect gift. And then now tonight, I have a, the privilege of teaching you on the, uh, the eve of, of a new year. Amen? And many of us are preparing for parties this evening, how we're going to celebrate the, the incoming of a brand new year and anticipating what it is God is doing in this new year. And then you get to reflect back, too, on how has God been faithful to you and me in 2023? Hope Church, as I was preparing for this and praying about this and, and, and thinking about how God has been faithful to you, as he's brought in a new pastor for you, Pastor Ryan and his family, how he's been faithful in that process. Have you, have you, have you seeked and searched God's will in that and the fruit that's come out of that? I've heard such good rapport. I've heard such good messages coming out of uh, uh, Mike Oppenheis and others about how good God has been to you in this season. And we give thanks for that. We all can look back and, and, and see how God's been faithful. We can all uh, look uh, forward to new things. Some of you have New Year's resolutions on your hearts and on your minds this morning. Resolutions are a tricky thing. A lot of times we come up with resolutions. We say, well, I'm going to do this better next year. Or I keep saying I'm going to do this or that, but this year, this is the year I'm doing this. But oftentimes, when it comes to gifts, it's very self-centered, right? I want the perfect gift. I have these things in my heart that I long for and I desire, and I hope I get them. Or I want to give the perfect gift. And oftentimes I want to give that perfect gift because there's this inner uh, selfish motive inside. Even though, even though the, the, the giving part is not selfish, but we, we, we have these things inside of us, these fleshly things inside of us that say, well, I want to be that person that gives that perfect gift. And things become about us. Resolutions become about us. I want to make myself better. I want to be the best version of Charles as I could possibly be. How often do we pause and ponder what it is that God wants? What is the heart of God? What does God want from us, from me and you, from his people? And if we are giving those things to God, are we giving them wholeheartedly? The people in Israel, the people of God, the nation of Israel, which is who Mike is speaking to this morning and 2,000 plus years ago, are asking that question. Because Micah is a prophet and he's bringing a judgment to the people. God has sent Micah not because he's pleased with the people, but because he's displeased with them because they've been bringing their gifts to God. They've been living their lives. And God had made a covenant with them, a contract with them. He said, I will be your God, and you will be my people. And I will do this, this, and this, and this for you, because I love you. I am God. I'm fully holy, fully just, fully righteous. And because you're my people, you're going to live a certain way. And even though God was holding up his contract, his people weren't. There was something off. There was something off in the way they were presenting themselves to God, the way that they were living. And Micah comes in his book of Micah, all seven chapters, and he says, this is my grievance to you. So there's like a courtroom setting here, brothers and sisters, where God presents his case to his people. And he has his lawyer, Micah, who presents uh, as the plaintiff, his, his complaint to the people. And then we have the defendants here in chapter 6. And they ask this question to God himself. God, what is it that you want? Have you ever asked God that? God, what do you want? What do you actually want from me? In verse 6, we hear, What shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? 
In other words, the people are asking God, like, do you want more intensity of worship, God? Is that what you want from me? Shall I bow down when I come to worship the Lord? You know, people in that day would come with, with, a, with an act of reverence and bow before the Lord in worship. People do that today still. Today in our culture, uh, we, rather than bow, a lot of times like as a show of reverence and awe, we stand, right? When we come to sing before the Lord, it's congregation rise. No different, right? Sometimes when we worship, we raise our hands because we're just so caught up in the awe and wonder of God and his love and his grace and his mercy. We raise our hands to him in a show of complete surrender to him. When we pray, we come before him with accolades and we use big words and we come with like prophetic speech and, 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 and speech that belongs in a poem. But brothers and sisters, did you know that if we come before the Lord bowing and praising and arms raised and all kinds of colorful language, if we're sitting there thinking to ourselves, man, I'm doing this, and everybody around me seeing me, how holy I am, and how righteous, and how much I just re revere the Lord with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and you haven't dealt with that right in your hearts, because the act alone is not wrong. But if it's coming out of your heart, a holy heart surrendered to the Lord, then that's not humility, brothers and sisters, that's pride. Amen? What is it that you're giving to the Lord? What does he want? Chapter 6, uh, verse 6 continues. Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves, a year old? So in other words, do you want quantity, Lord? Or uh, quality? Maybe you want quality, Lord. You, you, want, you want intensity or do you want quality? You know, they're asking, they're like, do you want our first and our finest fruits? Leviticus 5 God requires a lamb without blemish for every Passover. This is something that he required of them already. And they might have been doing that every Passover. God, I'm bringing you my finest lamb, my choicest uh, harvest. I'm giving you the most quality things that I have to give you. And we do that today. Lord, because we love you so much, we're going to build the shiniest building that we can. It's going to be as big and wonderful as possible. Amen? And we're going to give you the best worship. And we're going to make sure that we have the, the finest musicians up on stage and the best instruments and all the lights and we're going to get smoke machines and we're going to, you, we've seen it all we've seen it all and all those things are great if they're unto the Lord and not because we want to put on a great show and show everybody how talented we are and I will pause and say uh, Hope Church, God bless you every time my wife and I come here we get to experience some of the finest moments of worship some of the most heartfelt moments of worship here at Hope Church. So I want to I wanna, uh, bless your worship team, those that participate in providing and leading the worship here, your tech team, Mike and Ho, uh, Abby and all those that participate. Uh, I know I'm missing people, but bless the Lord for what you have here. Give thanks to him for what you have here because it's wholesome and it's good. And he refines and he redeems all the parts of it that are. Amen? Amen. Verse 7, will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with 10,000 rivers of oil? That's a lot of oil, right? We don't deal in oil and rams today. But think of the things that we do deal in. And he's, they're asking the Lord right now in this verse, is, is it quantity that you want, Lord? Do you want intensity? Do you want quality? Do you want, do you want quantity? Should we just give you more and more? Lord, if I give you more money, maybe if I spend more time at church, maybe I don't serve enough. I'm going to sign up for every serving opportunity there is. More ministry, more time, more money. Is that what he wants? 
Or shall I offer my firstborn for my transgressions? This is getting deep now. The, first of my, the fruit of my body for the sins of my soul. My own flesh and blood, Lord. In uh, Israelites' time and the time they're doing this, the surrounding nations that served false gods, one of them being Malik. Malik was the god of fertility. And Canaanites and uh, the like would come to this Malak's uh, temple and they would actually sacrifice their own children on his altar to appease this false god. And God, over and over again in, in, the, in the law book, says, don't do that. I don't want that. Your skin in the game is not going to do what I need from you. In fact, in fact, I do require a blood, but eventually I'm going to have to put my own skin in the game. And they didn't even know that yet. He was speaking to Jesus coming someday. 700 some years later, Jesus would come and put his own skin in the game. They don't even see that yet. But he says, I don't even want that. So what does God want then? If God doesn't want so much of our intensity, right? And he's not super concerned about our quality or our quantity. And he certainly doesn't want our severity. Brothers and sisters, what does he want? Well, he responds in verse 8. This famous verse that is quoted over and over again. God responds in verse 8. And he says, I have shown you, O mortal, what is good. He's saying, I've already shown you what I want from you. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love faithfulness. Some verse, some uh, transcripts, the NIV says, love mercy. We're familiar with love mercy. And to walk humbly with your God. Act justly, love faithfulness, and walk humbly with your God. That sums up the whole law in three words, doesn't it? The whole law. Matthew 22, he said to him, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest, most important commandment, Jesus said. And the second's like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love justice, love faithfulness, and walk humbly before your God. What does it mean? What does it mean to walk humbly before God, to love faithfulness, to act justly? These requirements apply to all men and women of all times. The Lord desires faithfulness that results in holy living. God still wants this from his children today. And he doesn't just say, I would like this for Christmas. I don't just want this in the new year. I just don't think this would be a great idea for you in case you, figure out, you, you can't figure out what to get me. He says requires. And brothers and sisters, when you hear the word requires in the Bible, that's a good place to pause and say, all right, I better open my ears and listen. Amen? And he does say, in fact, requires. So what does it mean? How do I act justly? How do I act justly? Not showing favoritism. What does that mean? None of us shows favoritism to our children. Amen? I know that Brandon and I, we have five children, and every Christmas we try really hard not to show favoritism. It's not just at Christmas. We try not to all year, right? I, yeah, we're not perfect. <laughs> and every Christmas we come down to the wire and we sit down and we contemplate, okay, we got this, this, and this for this child, this, this, and this for this child. Like, wait a minute. Oh, our middle child, Noah, only got two gifts and everyone else got three. He's already the middle child. We are in trouble. And I'm running off to Walmart to get him something meaningless to fill the tree. Amen? We don't want to show favoritism. God does not show favoritism to us. He proved that to us when Jesus came. Who did Jesus walk with? Did he walk with the rich and the wealthy and the religious leaders? No. In fact, those are the ones that despised him. Amen? He walked with the sick and the blind and the needy. In fact, 
The Pharisees said, this man walks with sinners. He does not show favoritism. The immigrant who's found their way to this country, would Jesus have walked with them? The wanderer, the homeless person, would Jesus walk with them? My sometimes annoying neighbor. Keep coming back, Andy. <laughs> who does Jesus walk with in his gospel, and who are we willing to walk with in Jesus' name, brothers and sisters? Do we love justice the way Jesus loves justice? And if God requires justice of us, where are our hearts? And if we think we're giving justice to the Lord, are we? How would those closest to you evaluate how you treat people? Would they say, you're blessed? Are you fair and just? Maybe an interesting question, uh, question for you around the table this year with your family. How just are we being? For the Mitchell family, how, how just is the Mitchell family being? Not just in want and desire, but how are we actually living that out in the way that we treat the foreigner within our gates? The people that are in the most need in the world that the Lord, in the, in the bubble that the Lord has placed us in. To that neighbor of mine who I just wish would move away. Lord, move them far away to Lowell, Indiana. <laughs> so us Northsiders don't have to share your love and kindness with them. Amen? You can ask justly by obeying the law and doing what is morally right. In all times, places, and cultures, humans have universally recognized the virtue of justice and the treacherous nature of injustice. We all have that human nature because we're designed in God's image. We want justice, brothers and sisters. That's something that we all want inherently. We know what it's like to see injustice in our world. And it drives us bonkers, right? If you lead a family, a company, a team, or a classroom, no one leads for very long without hearing, but it's not fair. We all know what it's like for it not to be fair. Maybe... We all need to write out Micah 6, 8 so we have a barometer as to where we're at and the way we treat others. How do I love faithfulness or love mercy in other translations? Many of us learn love mercy. God is the author of mercy. He's faithful in offering his mercy. And we love the faithful and merciful God who loved us. Amen? I'm so thankful that God has not treated me the way I deserve to be treated. Often people ask, Charles, how are you? And I love responding. I, I think I stole it from Dave Ramsey. But he treats me so much better than I deserve. So much better than I deserve. And I know more than anybody here what I deserve. I know some of the deepest, darkest parts of my heart. I even know the parts I haven't surrendered to the Lord yet. I know how unjust I am. How much mercy I hold back from people that God loves most. But I love that he pours it out on me unrelentlessly. And that should be motivation for us, friends, to pour that same mercy out on others. Love faithfulness. Are we being faithful to the grace and mercy that God has given you towards others? Love mercy. Love faithfulness. How do you walk humbly with God? That's the third one. How do we walk humbly? This is a big one. Kids growing up in this country, they no longer list success, right? They don't list happiness as, as their main goals in life. A recent poll of adolescents say that fame is their number one goal in life. 
Amen? And if you have children my kids' ages, you totally understand this is like my wife and I, I'm in my early 40s. I did not grow up with social media the way that it is today. Okay? But today, social media is a huge platform. They seek fame. It's not very doable without social media, but you can picture, if you want a perfect example of fame and social media, think of Justin Bieber. Raise your hands, adults and kids, if you know who Justin Bieber is. Young and old are raising their hands. You're like, I don't know him. Yes, you do. You know who he is. (laughs) You know exactly who I'm talking about. You like some of his music. He's talented. He's talented. Anyways, Justin Bieber, when he was 13 years old, he gained worldwide success because he started playing other people's music on YouTube. And people noticed, and he like went viral. And he gained the kind of success that kids alike, young and old, want today. With American Idol, this is from USA Today, with American Idol or The Voice, and for any of those reality shows, the main goal is to become discovered. Brothers and sisters, one of our main goals, I don't care who you are, in your heart, your desire is to be known to be discovered, to matter, to be an influence. We want to be known. But is that what Jesus showed us when he came to this earth? But is it what Jesus taught? He was humble, and he tied his humility to service. I have some, some scripture here. Luke twenty two twenty seven. I am among you. This is Jesus himself. I am among you as the one who serves. Period. Why are you here, Jesus? To serve. Romans 12, 3, Paul says, I tell everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he should think. Don't think higher than you should think. Instead, think sensibly as God has distributed a measure of faith to each one. Why are you here? What is your purpose in life? What do you have to present to your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ this Christmas, this new year, every day? as you walk humbly before the Lord? Is it to be served, to be known, to be recognized, to be worshipped, to be praised, or to serve as Jesus serves me and you? So we don't deal in rams and oil, right, and calves, but we, we do have some strong attitudes about things, amen? We have our politics, we have our religious beliefs, we have our traditions, not all bad, Can it be a sacrifice to God when I hold him in relationships with his people higher than my opinion of my own way or promoting myself? I'm going to say that one more time. Can it be a sacrifice to God when I hold him in relationships with his people higher than my opinions of my own way of promoting myself? Love faithfulness and walk humbly with God. We talk often at my home church back in Munster, Indiana, about we have this cross up on our state. Is there a cross up here? Yes, there is. We have this cross. I love you guys for this. We have a cross on our stage much like this, and our pastor, my, uh, my mentor, often says, he says, you can have all those things. You can have tradition. You can have politics. You can have your own leanings towards things, your own ideas. That's fine. You're a person. You're a man and woman made in God's image. But when those things are placed higher than the cross that Jesus died on, the king, and king, the king of kings and lord of lords, that's when they become an idol. That's when they become a problem. That's when they become your lord. Who are you following? Who are you worshiping? Who is your hope in this life and the next? 
Is it your politics? Is it your earthly kings? Is it your stuff? Is it your money? Is it your ideas? Is it your opinion? Is it being right? Love faithfulness, walk humbly before your God. God gave us everything for us. He gave his son to take care of our sins. What does God want from us this Christmas and New Year? For us to surrender to him, for us to give our entire hearts to him. And that's hard to do. That's hard to do. Many of you know the story of Corey Ten Boom. There was a famous book called The Hiding Place, and her family lived in Holland when the Nazis took over Holland in World War II. And they hid Jews, uh, they, they, they hid Jewish people in their homes, right? But then they got caught, and her entire family got sent to concentration camps. She got separated from her family. It was just her and her sister Betsy that stayed together, and he, eventually her sister Betsy died in that concentration camp from uh, starvation and the like. This woman had so much pain, so much misery in her life, but as she emerged from World War II and from all the hysteria and the ferocious things that happened to her and her family, all the people she loved was taken away. She emerged, this person, renewed and redeemed by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. She held her faith higher than anything else that people today put above the cross. And she would go on. Her ministry would become this ministry across Europe where she would teach forgiveness and restoration to a people that the last thing they wanted to do was forgive, right? The last thing they wanted to do was be restored to such evil things and evil people. And once such talk, once such talk, Corey Temboom, she was teaching somewhere, and after she got done with her speech, this gentleman comes up to her and he says, isn't it so good that we serve such a loving and forgiving father? You know who that man was? It was one of the very guards that used to hold watch over her and her beloved sister in that concentration camp. And Corey, she, she was destroyed. She said, I cannot forgive this man. This man is evil. And there's no way, God, God, there's no way you would forgive people like this. And she had to go to the Lord with this. And her message was, at the end of this, Corey, how much have I forgiven you? How much then should you forgive others? Corey Tembu realized in those moments that she could not forgive others without first coming to the realization that she herself was forgiven. She had to take hold, brothers and sisters, and this is why I want you to walk away with this this morning. Tomorrow's 2024. Imagine with me for a moment what that's going to look like for you, for you personally, for you as a church, for you as a people of God. The nation of God. It's not just the nation of Israel anymore. It's the nation, it's, the, it's God's church, that which who he beloved, Christ's bride. Have you taken hold of the full gospel? John 3.16, you could probably recite it with me, for God so loved the whole world, that he loved the whole world. Not just white people, not just black people, not just Dutch people, not just Republicans, not just Democrats. He, he doesn't make those assumptions. He doesn't place people in boxes. All he sees is his creation. And he loves it. Regardless of how astray you are or how right you are. For he loved the whole world that he sent his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have what? 
eternal life. What a gift. What an amazing gift. My, none of my kids would offer me that. No way, Ray. No way, Ray. God pretty much, if within one gift, gave us everything that he requires of us. You see this? You want intensity? You want intensity in worship? For God loved the whole world. That's intense. That's super intense. You want quality? He didn't just give us anybody for the forgiveness of our sins. He gave himself. We talked about this earlier. He put his own skin in the game. Our skin's not good enough. No blemished lamb, no blood is going to do. His own blood is the only one that would do. So he sent his own, his, himself, Emmanuel, God with us, in the flesh, Jesus, for our sins. You want quantity? He gave it all. His whole life. Have you offered your whole life back? And you want severity? Jesus suffered the most suffering any man or woman could ever fathom. He was beaten, spat on, betrayed by his own people. He endured hell for you and me on that cross so that whoever believed in him would not perish but have eternal life. Brothers and sisters, if this morning as you're coming into the new year, we're coming out of Christmas, we come out of it with so many emotions. We come out of it with a bunch of uh, joy. But a lot of us too, we come out of it with a lot of disappointment. Amen? For a lot of us, Christmas time, the holidays are, are hard times. And if that's you, my heart breaks with you. And I share in some of that suffering with you. But don't lose sight of the greatest gift ever, Jesus. Don't lose sight of what's required of you, but don't lose sight also me and you are unable, because of our flesh, to give what God requires. Therefore, he is, in a way, given it for us. And if you take hold of that, and if you and I really allow that to sink in, all those worldly titles, all those worldly treasures, all those worldly wants fall away. And we behold the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. And that propels us, that propels us into this new year, into the rest of our lives, into godly service, into a people. It transforms us by the power of the Holy Spirit into a people that love justice, that seek it with all their hearts because God, this fully just God who demanded payment for sin, showed perfect mercy when he climbed up on that cross for us himself and did it humbly as an act of servitude to people that didn't deserve it or want it. Seek justice. Love faithfulness. Love mercy. Walk humbly before your God. I invite you, if you have unforgiveness in your heart, share that with the Lord. Ask him to remind you how much he's forgiven you for. Amen? Whatever it is that's holding you back from justice and faithfulness and walking humbly, I invite you to put that at the foot of the cross today. I invite you to put that at the foot of the cross this year. We serve a humble God. We serve a merciful God. We serve a God that is slow to anger and abounding in love. Matthew 11, 28 and 30. One of my favorite verses. Because I'm a guy who loves to carry a heavy burden. And I'm a slow learner. And Jesus invites us to this. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened. 
and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me because I am lowly and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we give you thanks. Lord, there's a, there's a level of repentance, Lord, that is required for us. Lord, forgive us for living for you while secretly living for ourselves. Lord, this year I pray for myself and my brothers and sisters here at Hope Church and your holy Catholic church, Lord, is that we would be caught up in your love for us, in your love for this world, that you would redeem us as your people, that you would continue to transform hearts, that our hearts would bleed for the things that your heart bleeds for. Thank you for showing us what justice looks like, for practicing mercy on our own lives, and teaching us what humility really is. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.